are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. John, Photoshop, Jeff Capes as the Spider-Man villain. Thank you. Hey, I'm ready. Right foot back. <laughs> Begins with a U. It ends with an A. Has a meal dish up there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. As the other Cultaholic lads celebrate an Easter in lockdown, we are here via our Ica Pro-powered DeLorean on the verge of a red-hot summer in the 90s, headlined by a match we probably won't mention again, featuring a comedian that makes us really sad to see. And who be we? I be fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Gamble. I am with the bear in the big blue bar locked down cage. He is the head pen of Cultaholic. He has been out for only essential items. One of those items was a pen. Somebody said to him at the checkout of um, of Kmart, they said, do you want a pencil? And he got within one and a half meters of the checkout lady because two meters is the limit and he went over the limit threw the pencil on the ground and said, no, I want a pen, because I get it right every time, because he gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry, and he is off of America. Man, that intro is as long as Edge versus Orton. <laughs> Mate, nothing was as long as that. I've had grief for grading that lower than expected. I'm sick of doing graded now for Cole Hollow. I'm <laughs> sick Doing graded for Cultaholic. Every time I do graded, if it's not if it's not one of the Cultaholic faithful giving me grief, it's you, Justin Henry. Well, if it hurts, it's because you deserve it. But don't deserve it. <laughs> God, I'll tell you what. Damn it! I'll tell you what. From from now on, just message me, and I'll tell you what grade to give it. But then when they come Cause... at me, you'll just go, Tom. That was terrible grading you did. You'll you'll sell me down the river. Oh yes, I'm I'm like the hangman to your elite. You really are. You really <laughs> So Look, if, to give you some context on this, uh multiple people got on my back for the way I graded certain matches over WrestleMania weekend. And then Justin Henry compounded my graded misery 
by kicking off and by grading for WrestleMania 3 on Retrograded. <laughs> How do you not like that show? That was an I amazing show. I love that show, but I'm trying to be... Like, here's the thing, right? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna air my my grumpy admin because it's not my nature. I'm gonna get it all out of my system now. I'm gonna feel refreshed, revitalized, and I'm gonna go back Here to being go. chipper, silly man child from the Newcastle area. Okay. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Mm, when I grade things well, I am called some kind of kiss ass. When I grade things badly, I'm called harsh. Like, there is literally no in-between. If I give... I enjoy wrestling, I give it a good grade. It's like, oh, it wasn't that good. When I grade something, like, genuinely fairly, that people go, oh, are you being a bit mean there? Oh, God, it's exhausting. WrestleMania 3. I love WrestleMania 3. I love WrestleMania 3. But I... I the, the overall grade is based on an average. So what I do is... And I don't know whether the other cultaholic lads do the same. When I do graded... I take all the grades that I've given throughout the entire show and I put it into a grade calculator and it gives me an average grade. And from there, I might toy with it a little bit, bump it, move it down, move it up where required, but it gives me the average grade. And after I graded all the matches from WrestleMania 3, that was the grade that it came out with and I even bumped it up a little bit. And Justin, please, you have to be honest. I know WrestleMania 3 is a definitive show and it's a big part of your childhood and I totally get it. But please, don't tell me every match on there is five stars. Of course it's not. But that's <laughs> not the point. It is, in the context of the period, you didn't see every single star on the same show ever because you had the, you know, the split house show rosters. Not everybody was on Superstars and Challenge the same weekend. So the novelty of 1987 was seeing everyone on the same card. That was the big thing. There's only like four or five tentpole matches on the show. Everything else is just, let's get everybody involved. It was how it was then. Of course, I, I can understand why a modern fan might not see the appeal of it, given that they're used to, you know, three hours of Raw, everybody's on. Pay-per-views every month, everybody's on. You know what I mean? But that's funny because... Um... That's what WrestleMania traditionally became up until this year's, which was uh, a, a Frankenstein's monster if there ever was one. Um, but, uh, but traditionally, WrestleManias have become, let's get everyone on. And a lot of people give a lot of grief to that concept. But as you said right there, WrestleManias used to be, let's get everyone on. That's why we had Butch Reed versus Coco Beware. Okay, but that did lead to something Santana beating up Slick after the match. It did, but we could have not done with the match. <laughs> it was a three-minute match. It, it was what it was. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I've just pulled up my my personal archives in which I've rated every single WrestleMania match oh, ever. Oh, the Henry Vault. And I use this for for future list items to refer to. Sometimes I, I can amend the rating years later. It's it's not it's not solid, but it's my gut instinct for what each match would get based on my personal taste. I'll tell you what, I'll run through the matches real fast. You try to guess what I rated it on, on a typical Dave Meltzer five-star scale. How's oh, that sound? All right, all right, I'm down, I'm down. We'll get to the okay. classic Raw review in a minute, but we're just we're addressing some very important admin from Grumpy Tom. This is much more important than, than Oscar rapping at Jeff Jarrett, believe mm -hmm. me. The Can-Am connection of Rick Martel and Tom Zenk, who Tony Schiavone loves, versus Don Morocco and Cowboy Bob Orton. Four stars. <laughs> You're humoring me. Two and a half. Oh, really? I quite enjoyed that as an opener. 
it was a nice little five-minute match to get things going. Billy Jack Haynes goes to a double countout with the mighty Hercules. Good. Two and three quarters. Oh, it was rough, that was. That was a good heavyweight match. Oh, they just, they lost me in the middle. Billy Jack Haynes' comebacks and stuff were just like, I'm just going to make up some moves in no particular order. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> good luck bumping. I guess you're the... I guess you're the permit where Billy Jack Haynes threatened to end Hercules' life, and he said it without blinking. <laughs> That's pretty terrifying. <laughs> it was. The six... It's six-man, but someone call it six-person because not everyone's full-size. Uh, Hillbilly Jim, Little Beaver, and uh, Haiti Kid versus... Um, Little Tokyo. Bundy, Little Tokyo, and Lord Littlebrook. Good. Half a star. Wow, you are generous. The finish made it fun. I enjoyed yeah, the fact talking about the finish, about the, about the fact that they were meant to stop him from dropping the move, but they didn't yeah, stop him, so he did it anyway. <laughs> it was what it was. Harley Race defeated the Junkyard Dog in a loser-must-bow match. Uh, you, I reckon you gave that two stars. Half a star. Oh! Okay. JYD was just far gone at this point. But they were both. They were both. They were both in the uh, the wrong part of the uh, the wrong side of the tracks here. JYD wasn't the guy he yeah. was. Um, what I love is that Dogs. some of those, some of the great retrograded. Alex, my good lady, has watched with me because she's been home with me as well. So we watched. We put them on the screen. We watched them together. So like Alex will look up from The Sims every so often and go like. I can't understand what they're saying in these promos. I was like, well, welcome to the 80s. They're all brilliant like this. And by brilliant, you mean high on cocaine. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of drugs going on. There's a lot of drugs going on. And when JYD was talking, Alex went, I have no idea what he said, but it sounded good. I believe he said, this country ever had no queen. This country ever had no king. And he said it in his usual uh, Louisiana growl. Uh... The dream team of Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine defeated the fabulous Virgil brothers. Uh, a star. Close enough, one and a quarter. Oh, okay, wow. Just a little exposition for, for Bravo to walk out on Beefcake and become, yeah. which is a, a that, that was confusing. I, I will agree with you on that. Like, why was there a turn? I don't know. In a hair versus hair match, which Roddy Piper's going to retire, win or lose? Rowdy Roddy Piper defeats the adorable Adrian Adonis. I reckon you gave this three and a half stars. Three. Oh, I enjoyed this. Like I thought this was a very sports <laughs> entertainment match. I enjoyed it. Yes, it was. It was just a ton of fun. It, it, it was just so over the top. And Adonis, even in his state of obesity, was so agile, even at that point. Just the bumps he was taking in this match. Adonis was so good. Mm, I love it. That's a shame it. people don't appreciate him today because he passed away the following year, unfortunately. The Hart Foundation and Dangerous Danny Davis defeated the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana. You gave this four stars, I reckon. Three and a quarter. Oh, nearly. Well, that's still good. Three, three and a quarter is good. I thought it was a solid match. I thought it was actually one of the, 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 one of the stronger wrestling matches on the show. It was. It definitely was, especially when Davy Boy piled Tombstone Danny Davis and Davis <laughs> did the RVD seven feet in the air cell. Davis just bummed like a machine in this. He just took a clatter in. Well, when, when the Bulldogs were in there, I don't think he had a choice. Mm, no, no, they're having him. <laughs> they're having his life. 
Butchery defeated Coco Beware in the price shortest match of the show. Dud. Half a star. Wow, you're polite. It was it was fine for the time it had. Intercontinental heavyweight title, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat defeats the Macho Man Randy Savage. Four and a half. <clears throat> Five. Wowzers. The only thing that stopped me was the finish. Well, they went... It was done to protect Savage a little bit, which got to understand also, this match in 1987 was way ahead of its time. It really was. It felt it felt like, like a big future... deal. It was the future WWE, WWFE main event style and done in 1987. This was the template, and it was so beautiful. No, I enjoyed and, it. I enjoyed plus, it immensely. And plus, Savage's reaction afterwards where he's like tearful on the uh, cart back. That was the icing on it. I just thought the finish was screwier than I remembered. Well, because Sav- it, it was still making sure Savage wouldn't cheat. That's all it was. Mm. The Honky Tonk Man defeated Jake the Snake Roberts. Two and three quarters. Right on the nose, you got it. Yes! That was a good little match there. Honk, honk Honky being a douche and Jake building sympathy by every time he got knocked to the floor. It was good and fun. And Jimmy Hart, then Jimmy Hart, who, who, who's legit afraid of snakes, was not told they were going to do that bit after the match. Didn't Hart get injured in that bit as well? Didn't he? Didn't he injure his arm? Like because uh, from trying to scurry away from the he might have, snake. But... Yeah, I think he was trying to get away, and he he, he may have uh, tweaked something. The Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov <laughs> defeated the Killer Bees by disqualification. Dud. Two and three quarters. Wow. Bloody, bloody Duggan. <laughs> You're not going to sing that anthem here because this is America. And this is the home of the free. Well, then shouldn't they be able to sing the anthem? <laughs> yeah. This is where freedom reigns. Don't sing the songs I don't like. <laughs> That's pretty funny, you gotta admit. Flipping Jim Duggan walking out there like like Matt Berry cosplaying as Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Flipping out, what a look. Toast of Duggan, as I started calling him. <laughs> and the main event for the World Heavyweight Championship, Hulk Hogan defeats Andre the Giant, one of the most famous matches in history. Most famous match in history. You've you've added that in. So I reckon you've given it like a star. Two and a half. Okay. I found that really difficult to grade. It's... um. What I appreciate about that match, I mean, I, mean, uh, I, I always held it in high esteem just because it was Hulk Andre. Like, like I understood, like for years, I, for years I've called it the worst five star match ever. Like, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, obviously. Mm. But watching it years later with a bit more understanding of, like the little nuances of wrestling, Hogan works his ass off in this match because he because Andre couldn't do much. Obviously, you just watch Hogan just pinballing off of Andre's strikes. Like, like, Hogan's a bump machine in this match. Mm, he does go to town and, for Andre. Yeah, for those who say Hogan can't work, watch that match and, and keep in mind how much he's doing. It was like watching the Undertaker match with Roman Reigns a few years ago. Taker was shot. He needed hip surgery. Roman is doing all... It's like watching Dancing with the Stars where, like, what, where the celebrity contestant is some NBA player that can't move his legs that well because he's so tall. So his partner's just doing everything around him. <laughs> it's like that. Good shout, good shout. So, what did you, what did you give it overall? <clears throat> I give it an eight. 
I give it an A plus, second best WrestleMania ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, 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 if they, but if they put on that show today, I would hold it in a different esteem because the standards have changed. Hmm. But in 1987 standards, that's a beautiful show. Yeah, I guess it's. We will beg to differ. We will agree to disagree. Okay. And we will okay. move on it, with our lives. It is your constitutional right to be absolutely wrong. <laughs> I think that. <laughs> All right, I tell you what. Look, I've not long. It's I've only recently watched it, and and it's a long show. But in down the road, down the road, you and I, we will do a Discord live stream, and we'll watch WrestleMania three. This was an idea that you Yay. had that I debunked, but uh, you you messaged to me at a point where I was very tired. And what I've discovered about myself in isolation is if I'm very tired, I turn down everything. But if I'm wide awake, I will take on three weeks worth of work in an hour. So you just caught me at the wrong time, and I've since gone away and thought about it and thought, all right, all right, we'll do it. We'll do it. Hey, listen, we'll have fun, and we can swear. You're right. We absolutely can swear. That's right. <laughs> Fucking A. Anyway, that's not even why we're here today. We're here to talk about 1994, where we can expect so much more. Um, we are in... Deep into August of 94, on the Cultaholic Classic Raw review, we are fast approaching our 80th episode. What is this about? Uh, where and when are we this week, Justin Henry? Well, it is a live episode. It ran on Monday, August 15, 1994, from the Memorial Auditorium in Lowell, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, just taking a little gander at the Wrestling Observer for this particular week in history. Uh, this caught my eye from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Uh, Jim Cornette was the centre of a lot of controversy this past week. Uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, for explosive phone calls to Wade Keller and Bruce Mitchell of the Pro Wrestling Torch. Cornette was furious over articles by Mitchell and Keller regarding the status of SMW and in tirades against both made physical threats. <laughs> Meltzer goes on to say, while in the past I've seen several threatening phone calls, although none of any substance lately, these threats were far more explicit and articulate than your typical, or for that matter, any wrestler or promoter mad about something being written. This is incredible. I love that Jim Cornette, even in 1994, uh, was, was just getting people's, getting people's dander up. You know what's amazing about this anecdote? Consider the time frame here. This is 25 years and eight months ago, correct? Yes, indeed. Jim Cornette is angry and threatening to hurt people. Wade Keller and Bruce Mitchell are reporting for the Pro Wrestling Torch. And Dave Meltzer is reporting on real-life happenings in the world of wrestling. <laughs> All that is still happening today. It's amazing. It's amazing. I love how much things change and how much things stay the same. Uh, were you keeping up with SMW at this point? We actually had it for a very brief time this year on some local Atlantic City, um, like, third, like third-tier terrestrial syndicated channel, but I didn't really get too far into it. I was aware of it, but I wasn't too far into it. Fair enough. Uh, I just wondered how uh, how it was coming across on TV. Were you enjoying the product? I really didn't watch it that much. It was on like something uh, like Saturday afternoons. I just like forgot about it just because I was so much into other stuff at that point. But I do remember seeing like I remember the point when Jim Ross was briefly there, but that was pretty much it. I remember like Rock and Roll and Tracy Smothers, and I don't recall the Thrill Seekers. 
I don't really know who Jericho was until he came to ECW a couple years later. So, so I, I knew some stuff. Uh, rings in Japan have a show on the 20th of August at Yokohama Bunker Gym, which includes the debut of one of our boys, Justin Henry. Matthew? <laughs> no, one of our one of our Cultaholic Classic Raw Review boys. Who do you reckon it might be? Green Lantern fan? No, it's not Green Lantern fan. John? It's not John. Uh, it is the <laughs> debut of Tony Holm, a.k.a. Ludwig Borger. I just pulled the act up now. What, what, what I love is his opponent's name, Herman Renting. <laughs> he would later go on to make a bit more money and become Herman Owning. I was going to say, maybe Pee Wee Herman had like a, a rent center or something. No down payment! We don't know how uh, he's going to get on in rings, but uh, I'm sure he'll be great. <laughs> I'm sure nothing will go wrong, and he'll have many happy years at rings. Rings apparently running Russia the same years, because as your SMW just ran Russia and drew 600 fans, fans on two different nights to a stadium. Sounds wonderful. Uh, ECW had another Chairomania show on the 13th of August, which is just a couple of days before this show in the ECW arena. Uh, having been in the building, I don't see how any more than 950 could fit in there. Despite this, uh, there was a match between Terry Funk and Cactus Jack in the main event. It only went five minutes before the public enemy attacked uh, Terry Funk, laid him out. Jack refused to pin Funk and instead fought with Funk in battling public enemy. So the fans weren't very happy when uh, this kind of just became a short, nothing match that had been very much built towards. Um, the non-finish didn't help the mood for the place. Um, Funk called for the fans... For it, they Funk crawled out to the fans for a chair, and roughly 200 chairs were thrown into the ring during the post-match brawl. <laughs> here, this was the penultimate shot of the opening, a TV opening for like several years after this. Just the shot of Public Enemy under a torrential rain of plastic and steel chairs, while Cactus and Funk try to huddle up in the in, in the opposite corners of the ring, and Funk just falls over and lands some pratfall. <laughs> I, I remember someone. I have no idea who it was. It wasn't Joey Styles. I couldn't on the voice. Got got on the the, the PA like, so everybody stop throwing chairs now because they were afraid of a lawsuit. Obviously, it could have been Todd Gordon. It didn't sound like Todd though. I I, I see where he's mentioned about being upset about it here, but didn't. It was like a very gruff, very very Philly Italian kind of voice, like like very Rocky-ish. I remember. So. It, Todd is a very high voice. I don't think it would have been him. Uh, ECW, Eastern Championship Wrestling, getting quite extreme as of late, isn't it? Yes, perhaps you should consider a name change. Mm. Although I'm, 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 I'm not sure if they would actually pull the trigger on that. I mean, Eastern is definitely, you know, it's definitely a perennial kind of name, you know, a very evergreen. I can't see them changing it, to be perfectly honest with you. It seems too, uh, too obvious to me. Um, and finally, before we crack on with the show, um, forget everything we said the other week about Papa Shango. Already, 
uh this has been defunct uh, uh chuck wright though aka the man behind the makeup of papa shango is scheduled to come to the wwf but he won't be playing papa shango yes unfortunately it would take about two or three more gimmicks before he settled upon the one that he was born to play absolutely absolutely but hey if you love <laughs> old wwf guys coming back barbarian is coming back soon oh why couldn't Barbarian and, and, and Shango have been like the, have been the new powers of pain? Oh, don't even tease me with that. I mean, come on, powers of pain beating the crap out of the smoking guns. That would have ruled. That would have been phenomenal. So, uh, Although we did see, if you watch Dark Side of the Ring this week, an instance in which Bart Gunn beat the crap out of Papa Shango. Ah, uh, yes, that's very true. That's a thing that does happen on the Brawl for All one. I love yep. those shows. They're like they're like being fed sweets whilst being hit with a hammer. Like it's really lovely viewing, but it's really awful at the same time. You know, you know, it's funny. I wasn't so emotionally moved by the Benoit one. I know people who were very disturbed by it, um, understandably. But to me, I was very benign toward it. Watching this one, just seeing draws so much in his current state, like like that. That's just like uh, it's, I feel so bad for the guy one one accident and that's what happens and just like like i've seen him since the accident but you know just to see, see him see him like sustained interview segments and that's ah, a little rough it's a little bit rough my friend but anyway enough of that let's crack on with this week's episode of monday night raw i was a little disheartened to see this episode start with the uh the title card being that the face of um, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. I was ready for it. I thought this would be the week where we'd be talking about WWF's offseason, but that is not the case. <clears throat> well, it is appropriate given that today, Friday, March, I'm sorry, Friday, April 10th, the day we're recording this, that the XFL has suspended operations. It looks Although, very, very unlikely that we'll see it back. Yeah, 2021 is probably off the table at this point. But, uh,. I mean, I, I want to make light of it because I mean, people have been, have been laid off. They've lost their jobs. I know some social media people from XFL have already tweeted about, yes, it's true. I, I don't have a job with them anymore, and you don't want to harp on that and make light of it. But it is appropriate that he, you know, here's Vince McMahon crowing about another sports league, you know, have, having their operations suspended because of a strike at this point. And he's, he's so happy. He's like, see, we're superior, and, well, things aren't so good. I'm not looking so good for him at the moment, are they? No, not at all. Not at all, my friend. But we'll cross the, the knuckleball story a little bit later on in the show. But for some reason, he was the main focus. Like, he's the photo for this episode on the network. You go to August 1594. Yeah. There's Brooklyn Brawler in, in, in his, in, in his stitch face makeup. I was really excited because I thought there'd be loads of him on this. But what we actually got was uh, was, was quite disappointing. So you thought loads of, so loads of him being on the show excited you? Yeah, I don't know enough about Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. I'm intrigued. It's the Brooklyn Brawler <laughs> playing a baseball player. <laughs> but it might be cool. <laughs> it, 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 believe me, it ain't, it ain't much deeper than that. Oh, fine. So, uh, just a very basic intro. We, we go to Vincent Savage at ringside. We have, well, actually we start off with the Luger DiBiase Tatanka video package highlighting the copious amount of storyline development from last week's show. It looks like 
It appears Luger's on the take. He had money in his hand. He was in the Million Dollar Corporation's locker room. Tatanga was very Ralph Cramden, like, aha, every time something happens. <laughs> I All love it. I love this, the, the slapstick nature of these of these segments. Every week they're funny. You think Tatanga by now would just watch the old video? If only he had the network, he could have watched these episodes. It seemed that Luger was not as suspicious as it looks. <laughs> it's great. It's just brilliant. But uh, and, and then Vince tells us that we're going to get the solution to this at SummerSlam. I don't know about you, mate, but I am ready for Luger versus Tatanka. On paper, it doesn't sound that bad, actually. I mean, it's a decent storyline compared to, well, some stuff if we're headed towards the SummerSlam. But, but DiBiase, as much as I love the guy, everything he's involved with for, for like the next two years is just like a kiss of death. Yeah, it's a shame because he's he's... I thought Ted DiBiase would just be a much cooler manager, but um, I feel like it's it's one of them. Like I was listening to something to wrestle with, and uh, mm -hmm. and this week's episode, Bruce talks about Ted DiBiase about how he had a job as a as a as a a, um, a road agent backstage, but it didn't really mm -hmm. click for him uh, because. Ted's sort of one of those guys that is great at implementing stuff for himself, but he's not so great when it comes to doing creative for other people. So this kind of felt like because it wasn't solely around him, it wasn't. He didn't really gravitate to it. And I don't think it's so much ego on his part. It's, it's just a mindset. Like like you, you know what you need, and you know what you need to do. And in the ring, like in the ring, he knows what duty to do to put somebody over, whether it's selling for them or doing whatever. Like. So, if he's directly involved as as one of the as one of the as, as one of the main focuses of uh, whatever, mm. then he's fine. But if, if he's peripheral anyway, then he kind of just not really sure what to do with his hands at that point, you know? Yeah, it just it didn't it didn't really scan. Like the Million Dollar Corporation is a great idea, but it didn't really scan. Well, to be fair, the roster of the group wasn't really that strong. Oh, it was. Oh, wait till we get to talk about the Million Dollar Corporation. It is a proper murderer's row. Oh, <laughs> God almighty. It is like it is like somebody. And, and and this is disrespectful to some of the members. I'm very aware of this. But it is like it is like you go through a bargain bin to make a faction. Or it's like all the kids that are left at the end of a picking size for a football team. <laughs> like, it's bam. It's bam bam and then a huge drop off. Oh my god! It's a. Uh, do you know what? If if uh, if that was the curve for coronavirus, we'd all be back in the pubs by now. <laughs> Jesus, you ain't kidding. So on this week's show, we have Savage tells us that Mabel is in the house. <laughs> His words, not mine. Jarrett's in action as is Duke Drosy, and we have DiBiase and Paul Bear on the King's Court. But first, good stuff. The one, two, three kid versus Owen Hart to open this week's show. Oh my days! This is exciting. Before even the match starts, I'm a big fan of the lighting setup for Owen Hart. He's got like, and I've not spotted this before, so I might not. I might have just not been paying attention. But he's got little Owen Hart silhouettes that appear on the uh, on the mat as he's walking out. Is this the um like the like the Owen Hart playing card look where he has the crown on and it's like. A right side up Owen and an upside down Owen. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I love that look. Right. There's definitely some good ones. Like, Kid at this point has, has just a one, two, three flashing on the map, which is basic, but it's fine. 
What I love is Owen tries to jump Kid in the dark. Kid somehow sees him coming, and Kid just gives him a spank hook. Okay, right in the bush as he's running at him, and underneath all the shadows. Great start to the match. I like that. I thought that... Um... I just thought in general, like, these two match up so well. And there's there's legit beef. And so one, two, three, kid, of course, as he's getting in there and he sees Owen Hart, he's going to go for him because he remembers King of the Ring. He remembers Owen taking oh, sure. advantage of his of his, uh, of his his ill behavior. And uh, mm-hmm. absolutely he was going to go for it. But it was so cool to see that spin kick, like, as the lights are still flashing. It looked great. You know these two are great. When they almost screw up on a Mahi Straw cradle, but yeah, they somehow fall into the pin anyway because they're just that good. They make it feel like it works, like almost like Owen Hart was trying to fight out of it. But the truth is, like you and I know that it was, it, it was a bit of a scuffle up, but it looked like Owen was trying to fight out of it. And he didn't miss a beat. So good. This was so. Also, a little, um, a little interesting thing that I noticed: the hard camera looked different, and I liked it. In what way? The hard camera was slightly higher up and focused slightly lower down. So it meant that it was a tighter shot and all you could see behind Owen and and the kid was just lots of people. It looked packed. It looked the tight the shot was tight and it looked like there were people everywhere. The hard cam at least anyway. Smart move because it's not a very big building, it's like a very mid sized ECW style building. But they made it look like it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't really notice that, but I mean, it's, probably, it's a smart thing to do if that's what they did. It does look like a different. The camera's pitched is is camera's pitched slightly differently. No arguments here. If it works, it works. Speaking of works, I see a move here that I've never seen anywhere else in wrestling, not before, not since. And and, and given how athletic this was, you think you would have seen it since. You know the old bridge up out of a pinfall that Flair and Sting would do a million times? Yeah. Or Flair and Steamboat? There's, of course, there's a guy underneath of it, you know, who has the waist lock on the guy laying on top of him, and they both bridge up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Owen Hart was in the pinning predicament, and as he and Sean Waltman are bridging up, Owen kips up while still holding onto the bridge, without, and it doesn't even hurt the flow at all, and they go, and they go into the sequence right after that. I was watching this and everything was flowing so quickly that it didn't register that that had even happened initially <laughs> it's like that's not a ricochet would do but i've never seen ricochet do that it was like again like you don't see it you've never seen it like it looked very similar to a, a sort of move you've done before but the kip up element just made it look a bit fresher and a bit quicker i liked it <laughs> i shouldn't be surprised given the two guys who were in the ring for this match yeah these two are just absolutely was- crushing it but I'll say to anyone out there listening to this, if you can find any visual evidence, a YouTube clip, a GIF, whatever, of someone doing this move in any other match, I want to see it because I'm thinking this may have been the only time this has ever happened in the wrestling match. And, and if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I just want to see it. I just want to see evidence otherwise, that's all. So we have the double kip-up standoff. Owen charges kick, kid drop kicks him during the applause because Owen's underhanded, but kid called him anyway. There's a lot of moves in this match. Just a lot of moves. These two just are beautiful kick, kick together. Cross body onto the floor. Owen gets baseball slid and gets knocked in the in the night heart. It's just back from break. Owen suplexes kid to the floor. Follows with a pescado. This is just this is a pay per view quality match on free TV. 
I just wish these two had worked together more than they did because every time they were in the ring, there was magic. Sure. And, of course, Randy Savage has to uh, dampen it a little bit with a very forced reference. And the, and the line was, this is clear and present danger at its best. And I'm not talking about Harrison Ford, believe me. <laughs> sure, Randy. But you know yeah, Vince loved that time, line, just, though. You know Vince loved it. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Quinn Cornette on the Brawl for All specials talking about how Vince Price has been in the movies in 40 years. <laughs> and it's like, well, I've, I've seen a commercial for this. Let's talk about this Harrison Ford movie, Clear and Present Danger. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and Savage shoehorns it in with a battering ram behind it. And, says, and I'm not talking about the Harrison Ford movie. Shut up, Randy. <laughs> I love I love you. You're my childhood hero, but shut up. He was just trying to impress Vince here, I think. He could have done without the, and I'm not talking about the part of the sentence, because now he just looks really stupid. It's like if I pick your pocket while face to face with you, and I says, "I'm not picking your pocket, not at all." <laughs> then not, 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 not only am I a thief, but you think I'm, I was very, very stupid. I, um, I, yeah. Sometimes when you get a gag like that, and they and they sell the gag too far, then it's it, it's frustrating. Like there's a gag from Scrubs. I don't watch a lot of Scrubs, but there was a gag from Scrubs that always annoyed me. And mm-hmm. it was a guy, and he was cleaning the windows. He had some spray. He was cleaning the windows, and he was wiping them down. Just kind of doing it very casually in the background. And then he stops once he's cleaned the windows, and he sprays his stuff into his mouth and carries on. I thought, that's a really funny gag. But then he went on to explain, oh, no, it's grape juice. I can drink it. Like, no, don't tell me. Like, it was just funny as it existed. You didn't need to tell me that bit. Like, that's, that's ruined the gag. <laughs> Yeah, the pile-on kills it, doesn't it? One of the best people that, were, that with gags which just exist and with with no acknowledgement is being butchered on this show anyway. So I'm sure we'll come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no sense of subtlety whatsoever. Uh, subtle as a brick to the face. <laughs> I would miss the flying double knee drop, which looked very painful, I will say. I would not take that landing for many, almost any amount of money at this point in my life. Not with your knees. Kid works the knees. <laughs> well, I'm I'm 36 and semi out of shape, so I'm not selling. I, I don't know how to fall, as Jim Ross might say. And, yeah, and all those years wrestling uh, strong style in Japan didn't help either. Yeah, I, I probably should have avoided all Japan altogether. <laughs> um, <laughs> kid gets a half crab. He's holding it for a while. Owen might have to tap here. Nightheart runs in and clotheslines him for the DQ. There's a funny spot here. Before I get to my obje- objection to this. In all the confusion, Nightheart's arguing with the referee. Kid's kind of like on his knees, is like you know, still selling the clothesline. They announced the winner of this match has resolved a disqualification. The one, two, three, Kid. Kid on his knees raises his arms and then gets jumped immediately afterwards <laughs> by Owen and Nightheart. That was quite funny I that though. Was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, cel- he, cel- he celebrated for a fraction of a second and then, and then gets clocked again. But Owen puts a sharpshooter on Kid, takes them. Takes a cadre of officials to pull him off. Great match, but my one objection isn't Owen in the world title match at SummerSlam. He absolutely is. So even though you're doing the screwy finish here, why is Owen Hart losing? It's not this. It wasn't like he was pinned. He was just being right. ruthless to the one two. He was choosing 
to him and Jim Nino were choosing to injure the one two three kid as opposed to Pete to beating him. I mean, the one thing that they were really harped on after the match was that well, Jim Neidhart can't do that at SummerSlam because it's a steel cage match, and at that point he he won't, he won't be able to save Owen and all. And I guess maybe their big point of emphasis was showing how Neidhart can't help Owen at SummerSlam, and they and they do that by having Owen lose in a via DQ to an to an underdog wrestler. But I still feel like you could have had um, Owen beat the kid and have Neidhart get involved and still make the same point. Which I agree with, but, but I mean, this is, it's 94 WWF. Why are we trying to figure out the rationale for this? <laughs> it's a very valid point. Despite that, we are getting an Owen Hart title match uh, coming up very soon. So I am excited. Yeah. Well, it's great to be excited. And, and actually, I, I just pulled something up here. SummerSlam 94 did more buys than, the, than SummerSlam 93. I'm actually, I'm actually surprised by that. Really? Did three hundred thousand? Ninety-three did two hundred fifty thousand. So would that? What would? What would? Yeah. What would the? Because the ninety-three in ninety-three you had. Um, they had the bus. You had the Luga bus, didn't you? You had the Lex Express, and obviously that was money. I don't get why <laughs> the money didn't print. But then ninety-four, you've got Undertaker and Undertaker. That's a bigger draw than Lex. Well, take- well, Taker's return. I guess that's what it is, isn't it? With plugging the return of the actual Undertaker. That or fans just really love Bull Nakano. <laughs> I mean, that that is possible as well. Uh, I mean, I understand. <laughs> Speaking of SummerSlam, we have the SummerSlam report. Todd dressed like an off-color brother love here. <laughs> I was there's a, there's a sweet. Um, that he looks like a refresher suite in the UK that he looks like. I can't remember the name of them, mm-hmm. but so do tweet at Tom Campbell with the name of the particular refresher suite that he looks like. And uh, you will <laughs> laugh your head off when you see the comparison because the colour scheme is perfect for it. Well, well, Tom, this is a special occasion here because Todd actually made me laugh. What? Although it wasn't anything he said intentionally. I was going to say, I was going to try, I was going to try and Owen. guess the line that made you laugh, but uh, I don't know if I can. Is when he called Brett Owen's current brother. <laughs> now, when I heard that, I thought might have been like, he's going to disown him. <laughs> no, I think Ty just screwed up. Owen's current brother. <laughs> I mean, it is factual. It is. They are currently brothers. They are, they are very much <laughs> currently brothers. But I don't know whether, and, like, and it's a... Forever. Is it like a replacement? Is it like a scheme where, like, you just change brothers every so often? So his current brother is Brett, but next week it'll be Jake the Snake. Maybe it's a kayfabe thing that's gone way over my head here. Mm-hmm. And they even threw the old Domino's jingle in here when they when, when they promoted Domino's Pizza as a sponsor. The gotta be, gotta be... Domino's. It took me back to 1994. I like a good solid so jingle. Very good. So, so this week Brett Owen gets the spotlight as the main event over Taker Taker, which maybe is, a, is yet another sign that they've lost faith in Brian Lee to carry along this wretched idea. <laughs> so Brett Owen Taker Taker Diesel Razor. We get a promo from Razor Ramon's corner man, 
one of the greatest running backs in the history of the National Football League, Walter Payton. Yeah, Payton's in the house. And I was surprised with how either how tall Ramon is or how short Payton is. Payton's got to be like maybe 5'11 tops. I mean, he's a running back, so he's, he's smaller by definition. His job is to run the ball when the quarterback hands it to him. And he did it to the tune of an NFL record at one point, which which wasn't shattered until 15 years after his retirement. But a Walter Payton was put up real fast. Da, da, da. Walter Payton, great human being, is a Walter Payton Man of the Year award is named after in his honor. Walter Payton was five foot ten. I think Ray's is just very tall. He's about six 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 seven. Because Walter Payton can definitely handle business. He cuts a very short promo. He's um, his very friendly sounding voice is, is prominent here. He says, "The Razor can take care of Big Daddy." Cool. Walter Payton was many things, but a menacing promo was not one of them. <laughs> what I liked about this, though, in order that they helped the menacingness along, <laughs> it was Razor pulling very animated faces on the right. And the <laughs> photo of the massive bear behind Peyton. Well, he did play for the Chicago Bears. I know, so but I, I like to think that that was adding to the uh, the dangerous mystique of just this big picture of a bear behind him. <laughs> I, I thought it was great that Pettengill mentioned the 85 Chicago Bears that Peyton was a part of, the team that won Super Bowl twenty, because four people from that team have gotten physically involved in WWF at one point. Oh, Lawrence Taylor. He wasn't part of that team. Oh, okay, well, tell me which ones then. I'll shut up. I'll stop pretending to know American <laughs> football. <laughs> it's okay. I completely understand. Mongo. Mongo! He was at Mania 11. Yes, yes Mongo. Mongo is part of that team. Oh, Never green, that green, you know the green one. What's his name? Green. The green one. Green one. The green the green the one the green about? one is something green oh that's wcw wasn't it he was in wcw oh, oh okay that's kevin kevin green i'm thinking like who's green well all of them because none can wrestle but... <laughs> none of them they're all very poorly <laughs> the other two were in the wrestlemania 2 battle royal jim covert and refrigerator perry, refrigerator perry! i was gonna say him next <laughs> and he's in the hall of fame <laughs> Yeah, John Cena inducted him for some reason. <laughs> before, <laughs> because reason. Before John Cena disappeared forever. That's right. We'll never see him again unless you watch a Nickelodeon game show. <laughs> no, don't. No, it's not canon. <laughs> <laughs> they plug Luger to Tonka and Blaze versus Bull. And Pengill's just like, we'll tell you about the other two matches later. But you announced them last week. We already, we already know what they are. You're just not going to talk about them now. <laughs> and, and one of them they won't even mention on this show. Why? The Headshrinkers versus Bigelow and Iris never gets mentioned. I don't get it. Like, that's a, that's, that's a match you can build. That's like, hey, the Million Dollar Corporation well, are really gathering steam. They're going to face the Headshrinkers at SummerSlam 94. Well, there's a reason I think they don't bring that up. I think they're going to downplay it, and they are downplaying it because... That match might not be for the belt by the time the show rolls around. Ooh. Because something might happen the weekend of SummerSlam. Oh. Oh, incidentally, while we're at this juncture, 
we are indeed two weeks away from SummerSlam 1994. But next week, we don't have an episode of Raw, so we are going to do the Sunday Night Slam episode, which is... Was, is that Countdown to SummerSlam or something? Nick... Pretty much. It's like these... You know, March the WrestleMania or the Survivor Series Showdown, that sort of show. So we're doing that next week, and for your audio pleasure, it's going to be a watch along, and it's going to be Justin Yay. Henry. There he is, there from off of America. Hello. There he is. He said hello just then, yo. and he said yo then because he's down with the kids. Uh, <laughs> uh, me, Tom Campbell. Hello, I'm Tom Campbell from off of the BBC that time. And it is very true. And we are joined by uh, a third man, aren't we, Justin? Who's the third man? Hulk Hogan. Yes, it's Hogan. He's agreed. Mm. <laughs> no, this person's a better person than ever being joined by. It's our good friend, Mr. John Eiley, Photoshop John. He's done a few of these watch-alongs with us before, and namely King of the Ring 94, and we're very happy to have him on. Photoshop John Eiley from the Cultaholic Extended Universe will be joining us <laughs> next week uh, for a very special watch-along, and you'll be able to watch along with us if you have the WWE Network. If you haven't got it, you can just still listen anyway. It's fine. There'll just be some long pauses while things are happening. <laughs> He's the senior Benjamin of our universe. He really is, isn't he? He is the senior <laughs> Benjamin of the broken classic Raw Review universe. <laughs> Prepare the Photoshop! Massacre. John, can you Photoshop all of us in the broken universe, but mainly, de but definitely you as Senior Benjamin? I call Matt. Can I be Revy? <laughs> I, I was hoping you would say that, and yes, you are my Revy. Yes, I'll forever be the Revy. Do your Matt? I can even play the piano. Wonderful. <laughs> your, your impression of Matt sounds like an impression of me. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think I just do both. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the review that is classic. If I, if I was from Transylvania. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's Rocky Horror, Tom. <laughs> Count Chocula, Tom. <laughs> Tom Rat. John, you don't need to Photoshop me for Rocky Horror. There's a lovely picture doing the rounds. I'm sure you can find it. Oh, I've seen that photo, and now my morale is dropped. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. Hey, i got some cracking legs in that picture. I ain't complaining. Um, I can't deny that. I got, I got like, years, this, this was years years ago before I met Alex, the love of my life. I got asked out on a date off the back of that picture. You should have. You should have done, right? Yeah, I know, right? It was flattering. That's the important Exactly, thing. flattery. Not my words, the words of somebody driving a steamroller. Continue. <laughs> Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia 
Virginia Gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We have a promo from before the show. Because apparently they had no faith in this to air live of Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, who, as mentioned earlier, is the Brooklyn Brawler dressed as a baseball player wearing face paint. He's walking through the crowd carrying an I'm on strike sign. And then he cuts his promo in the ring where he defends the strike, saying the players and owners have a right to be greedy and says it's the fans' fault that the players are on strike. Now, I think I figured out why this was done the way it was because the players have just gone on strike the previous Friday, so they wanted something on this show to air, but they thought maybe Brawler can't cut a promo, so we'll, we'll do it beforehand and just insert it, whatever parts we think are good into the show, because we have to be timely with this. <laughs> because what if they resolve the strike by Wednesday, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden this character is obsolete. This means nothing now. So they wanted to and, get it done dead quick. Uh, pretty much, but spoiler alert, uh, the strike lasted for the rest of the year, and there was no World Series in 94, and fans hate, and fans resented baseball for several years after this because of the overall greed of everybody involved. Uh, baseball took a huge hit. It really it really didn't, and, it, and trust WWE to proper put the shoe in. Yeah. Uh, for as flawed as WBF was, if they want to take a swipe at, at baseball at that point, I don't blame them, even though it's it's it's, it's their advantage. Baseball fans at that point wouldn't blame them, wouldn't blame anyone for a kick in the dicks of Major League Baseball at this point, players and owners alike. Wasn't a very good time for because, the old baseball uh, thing. But ironically, ironically, you know what saved baseball? Steroids. <laughs> really? Because for, for a few years after this, while fans still resented baseball and all that for you know greedy assholes, you know how, how can you not have a World Series? You know you ruined everything. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's big home run bash in 98 brought fans back to the stadiums and brought TV ratings up. How are they hitting those? All them record number of home runs? Growth hormone and lots of it. <laughs> so that's what they should be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, because they saved baseball, even though they were effing cheaters. When we, we are forever grateful <laughs> for your cheating ways. It's the truth. No, you're right. You're right. Like, like, I mean, I'm... I mean, I'm against drug use in sports, but for here I'll make an exception because they pretty much saved the game, and baseball made a lot of money off their backs, and 
Now they say, like, oh, you guys cheated, so we're going to kind of disassociate ourselves. Screw you. They saved the game, and you know it. <laughs> they brought fan interest back. It's the, it's the absolute truth. It's, it's a confusing mess, but it's, it happened. It absolutely it was, did. It is what it is. It's it's a it's a it's a horrible situation, but yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about it to be able to uh, offer anything other than that. So whatever you believe on baseball, whatever Justin said there, that's that's the crack. That's what I believe. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's just one of those things that's it's hard to pick a side in it, you know, because it's everyone was an idiot. <laughs> Now, I was trying to recall whether or not we had already seen this guy, and we actually have. This is the weirdest thing about Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, is that this isn't his debut. Correct. He actually was in a blink-and-you'll-miss-him role in the 20-man battle royal to crown an intercontinental champion before WrestleMania. Mm. Yeah, some months back, back when uh, Sean vacated the Intercontinental belt, the match that Razor Ramon ended up becoming Intercontinental champion through. So even before that, then before the Rumble, MV- so sort of start was it start of January, end of December? It was back in September '93, so or October. Actually. So is it, I just find it intriguing how this character was already kind of half floating around, and then all of a sudden there was a purpose to use him, bring him back in again. Yeah, because all of a sudden he was timely, but back then he was known as MVP. Yeah, the first MVP of WWE. Although sadly, minus the uh, Bounty Castle entrance. <laughs> I-, I can't imagine Jersey entering the Silk Shocker music. I mean, not Jersey, a uh, brawler. It would have been fun. I was thinking through it. I can see it now. I, I-, I can kind of see it. It's morbid, but I can see it. Speaking of Jersey, Freudian slip there because he was involved in this next match. Duke Jersey versus Nick Barbary. Or as, or as Vince calls him at one point, I believe, Nick Barbarian. <laughs> Nick Barbarian is a much better name. Him, him and his tidy partner, Bob Warlord. <laughs> They're back! They're back! They never left! <laughs> but, but now they're accountants. <laughs> Nick, and, Nick and Bob. Uh, just, Jersey team is now... I was just going to just, just say that... Um, Nick Barbary, uh, according to most sources I've checked out, just your common or garden uh, enhancement guy over the years. Otherwise known as Nick Richards. Sometimes multiple different spellings of Nick Barbary. Uh, had a little bit of a thing for like WWA uh, late in his years, like in 02, but mainly just worked as a job guy for dart matches and, and shotgun episodes and such like that. So never really uh, went anywhere. I did what, what did strike me, and this is something that we probably won't be talking about for a little while yet, um, was I, want, I was looking at his matches on Cage Match. He was in a jobber match on Shotgun Saturday Night, teaming with Dave Webber. And he was taking on Buchanan and Poiret. Poiret. Uh, this is the... Uh, the um, Truth the Truth Commission. But apparently that tag team on the 3rd of March, 98, was called Armageddon. Yeah, because they broke away from the Jackal. And they were called Armageddon. Yes, and nobody remembers them at no, all. No, I, I didn't even remember it. And I saw that, I went, hey, 
I thought they were transgressors. And then you remember, as you say, that this was the uh, them breaking away and doing their own thing. Like if you ever want, if you want to see like like a like if if they did an Aldi version of the Acolytes, this is what Armageddon was. <laughs> We are way off the beaten path here with, with obscurity. We really are, I'm afraid. We've got to bring us screaming back to reality, Justin. It's the Nick Barbary rabbit hole. <laughs> Down the Barbary rabbit hole we go. So Duke's theme is now on Spotify for those who want to listen to it. It just went up last week. Yes. It's part of the latest, part of the latest, part of the latest Uncaged collection. Still can't get the classic SummerSlam theme, but I'm holding out hope for the next set. Duke gives his hat to a girl in the front row. The hat says the dumpster. Tom. <laughs> now. Tom. Tom, Tom, let me ask you something. If you were with if you're with Alex at a WWE live event somewhere in, in, in your neck of the woods, and Duke Jersey walks by and puts a hat that says the dumpster on your girlfriend's head. What would your reaction be? <laughs> I, I don't know, but I can tell you, seeing this brought back memories. <laughs> because myself and Alex went to... I'm trying... Was this when we went to Paris? I think it was. When we went to Paris, we got off the plane and we were, we were at the... Oh, no, this was on the way back from Paris. We were at the airport and a Hindu gets off the plane bachelorette party to some american friends um and they've all got shirts with like wacky names on and one of them had the dumpster on um really not the word the um it was christ I can picture the woman, and and everything about this made me sad. Her shirt said dumpster. Okay. And <laughs> your eyes are drawn to the shirt, and then you look at the face, and it's like somebody in a holiday camp somewhere is going to get very, very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you actually it wasn't Paris because that is not Paris like behaviour as I was telling the story I went there's no way they're going to Disneyland it was in Spain when we went to Spain I think it was Spain pretty sure it was mm. yes it was Spain which makes more sense because there was a lot of like uh, a lot of British holiday makers who go and make fools of themselves in Spain it's um, it's a very fascinating shirt for someone to be wearing in public like that. Oh, yeah. Zero shame. And when I saw the dumpster hat, I just got dragged back to that moment. I'm trying to think what the most vulgar shirt I've ever worn is. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss here. I'm trying to think of yeah, vulgar really shirts that I've worn. Um, oh, um... <laughs> I did have a I did have a shirt with a swear word on and it really upset everybody I worked with because I was it was I can't remember what it was now. This is a brilliant anecdote for people. Hey look, just if you listen to this, right? <laughs> listen to this and you think this is rambly, right? Rem- it, let me remind you this is free. Okay? 
this isn't this isn't like on adfreeshows.com. This isn't a Conrad free service, right? We're not you're not paying for this. This is free and you can skip ahead. Chat me up. Should we put a your shirt on, on Lois Get yourself some blue chew. Welcome back to Sex in JR. <laughs> Listen, the point is Conrad needs to sell, sell hats that say the dumpster on him. <laughs> Duke just innocently hands his hat to a little, put it on a little girl's head, and and we turn it into well the Bret Hart sunglasses. This ain't. I'll be honest. <laughs> no. The other highlight of this match is that some fans randomly start chanting USA. <laughs> now, 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 Duke's from Florida, and Barbara, I believe, is from the New England area here. So, best I can think of is, is some fans said. Hey, what network will put this crap on? (laughs) (laughs) Or it's like, he's a good American trash man. (laughs) Wholesome American trash man. It's a simple squash. Duke hits him with a clothesline. The big running elbow finishes. I love his big running elbow. Savage is beautiful. It's not not a finisher, granted, but height, depth, crispness. Oh, ten all round. Savage was so impressed that he said it, it got more height than his own flying elbow. <laughs> wow. Ezra slips from a hundred. So, so we go from a dumpster hats to a metaphorical dumpster or a literal dumpster. The, the latest installment of Leslie Nielsen's doing this for the money. Oh man. Now. I'm going to say this much about the same we're, we're about to um, describe here. This was at least a bit closer to the style of humor of the Naked Gun movies. It's still not funny. It's still really bad. We're getting warmer, though. But they were, they were at, at least trying to adhere to the template to some degree. Like, they finally figured out what his medium is. I mean, it's still bad. It's still really bad. It's still painfully unfunny. So he's he's traipsing around a sw- this public swimming pool. He says, I was, I was trying to catch some rays. He says as he knocks Ray Rougeau into the pool and tries to prevent him from falling. So he catch some rays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Leslie. He says, he says, and the girls were feeling macho. Shows three girls rubbing Randy Savage. See? Wordplay. <laughs> but that line doesn't make sense. Not... Yeah, because girls, girls, girls aren't macho. That's a guy it's, thing. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not saying one can't be. You know, girls can't do what guys do, but one is associated with you know masculinity, macho. Exactly, you know? exactly. I mean, I, yeah, we're not saying you can't be whatever, but it's a it's a terminology that you nope. Right, nobody I know goes to the beach or goes to the swimming pool and goes, "Oh, I'm feeling macho today." They don't. It's not a word. <laughs> It's it's the most Bazooka Joe comic strip pun work you've ever seen. There's something about scanning the globe. He's reading like like, like he's reading a, a globe tabloid. He says, "How can there be two Undertakers?" And then in walks another Leslie Nielsen, because apparently this one's an imposter for some reason, and he gets dragged off by the police. <laughs> and then the real Nielsen, we think, turns the camera and says, "I'll solve this at SummerSlam." <laughs> You missed the bit where he talks about the sun was bright. 
And there was a little boy next to him who was talking in big words. So he goes, "Thank you, son." It was the same gag. But it's like they, like you say, they are they are closer to the bullseye than they were a week ago. I didn't realize Brian Alvarez was that short. <laughs> <laughs> this whole storyline, let me tell you, they bring in Leslie Nielsen to do an angle for SummerSlam. Leslie Nielsen! And they just make him look like an effing geek. (laughs) A total geek. So then, back to the arena, thankfully, where DiBiase joins the booth. And we learned that for $1.49 a minute, you can call the WWF SummerSlam hotline to find out and and give your thoughts if what's ever sold out or not. Okay, in the same sense of how we said just then, look, this is free, right? If you don't like it, this hasn't... All this has cost you is time. And there's loads of that. Like, we're all in lockdown. You've got loads, mate. Like, if anything, you're welcome. It's closer to bedtime. Um, But we're not... We're not asking for your money to get... To get cliffhangers resolved. And the cheek, the gall of running a hotline where you... <laughs> vote if he has or not <laughs> well alright two things here one legal fees ain't cheap <laughs> and and two I believe a few minutes ago we were just talking about how, the, how they made fun of baseball players for being greedy yeah for being money grubbing douchebags <laughs> okay I mean, I'm I'm just I'm just saying here. I'd like if you're listening to this and you are like a sort of elder statesman of professional wrestling, um, at JRH Rising on Twitter or at Tom Campbell on Twitter, did you call the SummerSlam Hotline opinion poem, and why? Yes, we we have a right to know. <laughs> yeah, we just want to know what we're dealing with here. <laughs> speaking of like. Speaking of 900 numbers, I, I got Oh, hello, say, hello. <laughs> is, that, is that woman no, that I saw at the airport? <laughs> look, nothing like her photo. <laughs> but, but, but no, it's, when I was watching Dark Side of the Ring the other night, it was late. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning. I, I, I caught the replay. And for the first time in about 20 years, I saw a hotline for like a, a, some psychic friends thing <gasps> that I had not seen since I was like a teenager. Like, they still have those. Amazing. Did you call? Hell no. Why? Because I prefer to have money. I rang um I rang Babe Station once. Was it worth it? It was hilarious. Uh it was me and my me and my two brothers. It was around it was I think it might have been around like a birthday or a bank holiday and we'd all had a drink and we rang and we got through and you can see them talking to you on the telly. And um I was asking, I was asking her if she'd ever been to Coventry, and we had a discussion on the ring road system of Coventry, and then my brother took the phone and asked if she had any tips for the Grand National, and, and, it, and I can't imagine anybody that was watching that was having a good time or an incredibly good uh, uh, awakening of their own. <laughs> you guys were such assholes. Oh, we're dickheads. Absolute dickheads. We're not. We're not apologetic. We spent, me and my me and my younger brother have spent the last three days just out of sheer boredom on the WhatsApp group for our family. We spent the last three days trying to convince our older brother that there is a video game based on the Leonardo DiCaprio movie Shutter Island. 
And we've gone back and forth in this chat, both me and Mike, saying, oh, have you got to this level yet? Oh, I just did this yesterday. How are you getting on with it? And to the point now where Jim is starting to go, lads, is there really a Shutter Island game? <laughs> you are an, an abstract bunch of people. We are, mate. Honest to God, we are, we are <laughs> the weirdest. We once spent half an hour in a restaurant, me and my brothers, Dying laughing at the thought of Jeff Capes, British strongman, shot-putting champion of the Olympics, becoming the next Spider-Man villain. And we don't we, we don't drink excessively. We don't take any mind-expanding drugs. We're all just abstract weirdos. <laughs> Which is what led to the babe station call. Incidentally, John, John, Photoshop uh, Jeff Capes as the Spider-Man villain. <laughs> Thank you. This is like the worst hangover script ever. <laughs> I know, right? We didn't even get to Tyson's house. We just talked about going to Tyson's house <laughs> and what would happen when we were there. <laughs> well, speaking of boxers, Quang versus Tony Roy. Yes, core Quang. Well, he was in a Brawl for All, so. Yeah, another Brawl for All reference on the podcast this week beat Brockus into a coma, pretty much. Quang versus Tony Roy, we find out that on the SummerSlam, or, or, or sorry, Sunday Night Slam, it's going to be Luger versus Crush. Quang spits Red Miss in the air before the match. Beats up Tony Roy, spinning heel kick, matches over in 45 seconds. Just how I like it. <laughs> he's got the mist going on, but he's not using it as a weapon. Yes, yeah, he's, he's a very, uh, he's a very sporting ninja. <laughs> King's Court with DiBiase and Paul Bear. DiBiase points out that Paul Bear has has not produced his so-called real Undertaker yet, but Bear vows that his Taker will destroy DiBiase's at SummerSlam. This is like Battle of the Billionaires, but nobody cares. <laughs> it really, it really is. It really is. Although it's nice to see Paul Bear on telly. I've always enjoyed Paul Bear's work. I want to see Umaga dresses Undertaker now. <laughs> if only there was somebody that could bring that to life. <laughs> John, I want the Umaga Taker. <laughs> do Jeff Capes first, though. Then do the Umaga Taker. <laughs> well, Taker's not here, but, F but Faker is. He comes out to confront Paul Bear, hair over his face, because, you know. Sav Savage says, and I'm quoting here, Undertaker looks 100 feet tall, doesn't he, McMahon? <laughs> oh, God Don't rope Jens into this. He, he, he had a rough month. Leave him out of your dementia. <laughs> I will say, I will say this. There was one side shot of Brian Lee's face. Of course, the hair's hanging down. In which he really did kind of resemble Mark Calloway. And I, th and I got this thinking because we didn't mention this earlier, but on this taping right here, Mark Calloway does wrestle. As as chains. The match is taped. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They actually taped on, on this taping here, two episodes of Roll the Air in September. One of them features the return of the Undertaker. So Undertaker, two weeks before SummerSlam, was on this sh on this show wrestling. Again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I love that we are talking about from 1994 WWE taking a whole taping a whole block of before and after a major pay per view just off the back of WrestleMania 36, where we've taped like 16 weeks worth of stuff around a pay per view. It's like the glory well, days. I bring that up because. <laughs> <laughs> nothing does change but I, I got this thinking that 
what if they had Mark Calloway in the ring but before this taping took place and filmed him standing there, like, like no crowd shot, no best around him, and inserted them into this to make it look like it was him standing in the ring, staring down Paul Bearer. Ooh. Because I saw how realistic it looked for, for a moment that, like, he kind of looks like Tigger from that angle. Like, like, what if they did that? But then they showed a different angle. It's like, okay, that's Brian. I, I did a... So, never mind. Oh, so, like, just, just for, like, a little shot, just to show... Yep. Mm. For, like... It'd be kind of clever to do it that way, but and but it's probably too much trouble because this, this was the, it was live and I realized you know, two shots later when they showed him from a different angle, like yeah, that's the future chains. Never mind, forget it. <laughs> the so the then, end uh, of this segment, like some like made me chuckle. <laughs> as, oh, we're, we're, I think I know what it's going to be. But we're, we're, we're almost there. Faker grabs Bear in the goozle. The show cold, the lights start malfunctioning, crowds cheering, they go out. Somehow during during all this confusion, uh, Paul Bear managed to escape uh, Figure's grasp. And then at ringside, while a semi-purple light bathes the entire ringside area, Paul Bear, in his most orgasmic Tennessee Williams voice ever, cries, Can you feel him? <laughs> I mean, that did make me laugh. But it was more the fact that I think initially I saw the lights go out and then the lights come back on and I thought, oh, okay, Undertaker's rescued Paul Bearer. And then when they cut to him being ringside, they went, I just thought, oh, he rescued him, but not completely. (laughs) He just kind of went, yep, and just put him outside the ring. (laughs) Like, picked him up like a claw from a grabbing machine and just went, yike! (laughs) I like to imagine that in in the darkness, Paul Bear gave a head scissors to the fake Undertaker and then rolled out of the room. (laughs) That's that's all that happened. I doubt anything else happened other than that. (laughs) So he just... He may, he very slowly got away from the fake Undertaker. (laughs) And that was that. This did a higher buy rate than last year's show. I am amazed. <laughs> Amazing. Mabel versus Raymond Roy. Not to be confused with Tony Roy, who just jobbed the previous It's a different Roy. This is a bad night for the Roys. <laughs> that was a tough car journey home for the Roys. <laughs> it's, it's like how every it's like how everybody in uh, in Blazing Saddles was named Johnson. All the jobbers are the Roys now. Uh, Roy's gear here. I'm sure I've seen it before. The kind of mint imperial type black and white stripes going on, which has led me to think that maybe there is like a lost property box at WWF tapings. And if you are enhancement talent, you have to get your uniform out of the box. So there is no box of gimmicks, but there's a box of no there's gimmicks. There's a box of... There is literally a box of no gimmicks. So if you turn up, you have to take one of the singlets from out of, the, from out of this box. <laughs> I wear the Italy tights that that uh, Gary Sable... Oh, wears. yes, I, mate. I'd be in them in a heartbeat. I have to cinch them up, but I, I'll still wear them. My Italian stallion started... He charged there. me 50 quid to wear them. <laughs> They should have him in the Broken Universe somewhere as, like, a laborer. <laughs> we should, actually. 
it'd be appropriate. I'm, I'm sure Matt would take great pleasure in that. <laughs> so Vince assures us that Mabel can carry a tune, but he's not the one that sings. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Mabel in this match was a, he was a force. He hit a, hits this big ass clothesline that folds Roy up. Then he hits a Kurt Hennig neck snap. That was amazing. I feared for Raymond Roy's well-being in hindsight. I was in full gym roll, so somebody stopped the damn match mode. <laughs> I lo- he did a great body slam as well. Like, got some decent height on the body slam. Yeah, Mabel was fine. He just... It's a stupid name and a stupid look. <laughs> The elbow was and good. He, he hit the elbow and went down with him, but then rolled into like a draw me like one of your French girls type position and just looked cool. Well, oh, that was nice. <laughs> Mabel looked cool in this match, but Vince sure didn't for two reasons. One, he said, whoops, there it is. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that as well. That was the Ned Flanders. That was the best Impian Chimpy show I've ever seen moment. <laughs> Wait a minute. How do you do, fellow kids, fellow students? And and the other was Vince making fun of Woodstock for price gouging. <laughs> of all weeks, the, the work that price way, gouging. Mind that anyway. Who who sold out? <laughs> Let's call the hotline and find out, kids. If you ask, if you <laughs> rang without asking your parents, naughty naughty. But Krusty forgives you. <laughs> <laughs> There's no self-awareness here whatsoever. Absolutely none, and I love wrestling for it. Yeah, Mabel finishes with the middle rope elbow, which sounds sounds fun to take. Given all the guys Mabel injured in 95. He has quite the record, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he, he, he injured Fatu. You know how hard that is to do? No. So we come to the main event of the show, which could have been a main event five years later on Sunday Night Heat. Jeff Jarrett versus Scotty Too Hot. Yeah! Scott Taylor. This is fun. This is back when Scott Taylor resembled Stifler from American Pie. Interesting look from him. Before Jeff Jarrett comes out, and I was going to ask you, because sometimes you can be a bit of a fountain of peculiar knowledge. Um, okay. A guy in a suit walks out. Very briefly... Walk, it looks like he comes out from the entrance and just walks out a shot. I wasn't sure who he was. He looked like Sean Mooney, but I wasn't sure. Probably just some, like, building uh, security or whatever. Fair enough. Because, I mean, I totally missed it, and it's... I'm just going to assume that's what it was, this sight unseen here. So, I got to say, Jeff Jarrett's sure blade effect, it is seizure-inducing. It's like a, uh, it looks like a spirograph. From uh, off of the 90s. Do you have a Spirograph? Mm-hmm. I remember Spirograph. I feel like I'm at a rave, though, here. <laughs> but on the, on the, on the stuff Jarrett on the just... ring looks like a Spirograph. Mm-hmm. Jared, meanwhile, dressed like a bag of tropical skittles. <laughs> that is a great look. We can't start doing what bar, though, because OSW Review will sue us. <laughs> oh. Wait, can they? <laughs> Define the candy that Jeff Jarrett currently is. They won't sue us. Me and Jay are mates. It's fine. I'll say Tropical Starburst. Is that fine? That's fine. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Define the candy that Jeff Jarrett is. 
had to have a turf war like anchor man <laughs> yeah. oh my god that oh i've just had a great idea all the youtube channels doing a turf war anchor man thing not all of them though some of them i don't like <laughs> we can see matthew throw a try we can see matthew throw a try down <laughs> I, I saw that. Matthew killed a guy. <laughs> you can't come through here. Why? Here's why. <laughs> <laughs> so Taylor gets a near falls in this match, but before I got to mention that Jeff Jarrett basically invented the whole rap is crap shtick by taunting Mabel and Oscar before the match because he's facing Mabel at SummerSlam for... The problem is the crowd didn't gravitate to him the way they did to Kurt Hennig. No, because more well, Kerr could sing. <laughs> and, and Rapper's Crap was a catchy tune. It, really, it was too catchy. That was the problem. If it had been a crap song, it'd have been fine. But they actually made it really good, and that was the problem. Plus, plus that Barry Windham involved, in, and, and when he's involved, unless he's a stalker, then that's great stuff. Plus, the No Limit Soldiers were horrendously unlikable overall. Hootie who? Who the F? Pretty much. Taylor gets a near falls in this match. They're doing the whole bit where Jared's um, overmatched by enhancement talent, but he hurts his knee on a miscross body, falls back into the figure four, and that's that. Vince, at this point, Vince plugs SummerSlam by saying, pay-per-view the way pay-per-view should be, only by the WWF. <laughs> I bring that up to bring this up. According to The Observer, <laughs> at, at, a house show, at a house show in Pittsburgh the week before this, someone held up a banner during, the, during Brett and Owen's match. They said, Flair and Hogan, 1.1. King of the Ring, 0.7. Who's kidding who? <laughs> a buy rate reference. Gee, I wonder if someone's a little hot under the collar that Hogan's doing big business in Atlanta. Oh, I think possibly so. <laughs> Only by the WWF. I called that part loud and clear. <laughs> so so Oscar and Mabel come back out. Jared does this silly dance to mock Oscar. Oscar raps, I think, about SummerSlam. I can't really tell. So the country versus rap battleground is taking place in Lowell, Massachusetts. Lowell, Massachusetts. A city more likely to, to enjoy the dropkick Murphys than either country or rap. All the best places. It is like a neutral sighting, I guess, for uh, this holy war to take place on. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Sunday Night Slam will be hilarious. So Sunday Night Slam, they plug the card for this show, and holy hell, these are the three matches they tell us about. Lex Luger versus Crush. Okay. In a non-title match, Intercontinental Champion Diesel takes on Typhoon. Oh, yes! Oh, shoot that into my veins! <laughs> Oz versus the Shockmaster. Oh, yes! <laughs> Giddy and Bull Nakano versus Bull Nakano versus Heidi Lee Morgan. Oh, Morgan is dying. <laughs> bye, D Lee. More like bye, bye, D Lee Morgan. <laughs> I just pulled up the card for the show. They, they didn't even plug Bigelow and IRS versus Bob Holly in the one, two, three. Something kid. going on with Bigelow and IRS that we need to know about. Will we talk about that next week? Well, they're supposed to be in a, a title match at SummerSlam. Yeah, I but, um, I wonder why they're downplaying that so much. Hmm. Will we find out? Also on that show, Fake Undertaker versus Sonny Rogers. Yes, the Sonny 
I know you want me. I don't know who that is. I know that you want my love. <laughs> yes, it's a very weird intergender nonsense that is. And it's like, and and any other match for on Sunday Slam? Razor Ramon faces dun, da, 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 Todd Becker. Oh, the Becker. Everyone's favorite. Uh, everyone's favorite Ted Danson based sitcom. Yes, it's uh, the only one. Only one I could think of that he did. Ever I can't did. think of anything else that he did of any of any value. <laughs> there's also a Bret Hart interview on this show, and 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 he mentioned that there's there's a call-in show, which I wonder if that if, if that part's part of the uh, Never presentation because that was kind of interesting. Fans calling and asking about WCW and Vince hanging up on him. Ooh, we get that next week. I hope that's on. Please tell me it's on the oh, network. Please tell me it's on the network. My days. It must be. It must be. They, they won. They won the war. It must be. We're going to find oh. out. Uh, and that's raw for. Sorry, no, what? I was just going to. I was just going to let you do your talking. <laughs> I was just, I was just gonna say that that's raw for this week and that is that and that's the last actual raw before SummerSlam. And next week it is Sunday Night Slam and it'll be myself, Justin Henry, and the return of the dulcet tones of one Photoshop John Eiley. He has three. We'll be doing a watch along of Sunday Night Slam and that'll be on your podcast feed next week. And then the week after, flipping heck, it's another watch along. It's flipping SummerSlam '94. Flipping excited, mate. Flipping excited. Bring on the heat. Bring on the heat. Hey, the revival got cut today, so no flips. Oh, on to better things, gentlemen. On to better things. I want them to bring in a fake revival. Indubitably. <laughs> we should, we should, yeah, we should, yeah, yeah, they should have... Um, Not Dawson and... Uh, uh, <laughs> Dash Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, they'll still call him Dash and Dawson, but they'll give him. Who the, have other guys playing like a la Razor? Oh and yeah, Gio. of course, because they oh they can't even have Jim Ross do it. Or Jim Ross turn out going Dawson and Wilder are here, and then here comes like two two geeks from the Indies, and JR's like, I told you it was Dawson and Wilder. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like Sugar Dunkerton playing Scott Dawson. Oh, Dunker Shug D's better than that. Poor Pineapple well, Ed. Uh, <laughs> Pineapple Pete. Oh, pineapple Pete. <laughs> well, I'm saying, in terms of in terms of resembling the person that they're playing, you know, the, you, you, I think you could definitely pull that. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Incidentally, big love to That's Pineapple Pete. Within minutes definitely. of that episode coming out, there were t-shirts. <laughs> of course, there was because. AW knows how to promote. Oh, they make the green. They do make the green. And we have made our green for today. He is at JRH Writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Look out for some Fate Revival members coming very soon. John, if you haven't done so already, uh, Jeff Capes as a Spider-Man villain. Thank you. <laughs> Love you. Bye. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.